We are back with another Sideline Sportscast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. In this week's episode, Alexander Ovechkin inches one closer, one inch closer to Gretzky. How about them Cowboys? They're up and down. We got some shuffling going on in the AC- AFC. Uh, Cam is back. And we got some blowouts in Week 10. But uh, don't forget, we got the hardware for the midseason awards. But Brian, what do we have to drink this week? Yeah, you know, we, uh, we moved past the October uh, pumpkin beer fiesta that we had on the podcast for, what, four straight weeks? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're moving into fall, getting to winter, so um, th- this beer or cider doesn't really need much introduction. We went with the classic Angry Orchard. Um, kind of hits the fall notes, right, with the, mm-hmm. with the apple, apple cider. So uh, with that being said, I don't think it needs much more introduction than that. Let's pop these things open and uh, have a taste. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, was it last year when we went to Tennessee and we found those like IPA ciders and stuff like that? Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, so I guess no podcast next week. We're heading to North Carolina for uh, holidays, but uh, maybe we can find some of those up there this year. And yeah, I, uh, I think there is a, a, a trip planned to that area. Um, what was it? The Apple Orchard or the Apple Barn? Apple Barn, like, I think is what yep, it was. So, We'll have to make sure to pick up a few more um, of those IPAs um, while we're up there. But talking about Angry Orchard, I mean, it's classic. It's it's the uh, you know one of the original OG uh, ciders, and you know you get that apple flavor. It's nice and crisp. Um, I think uh, you know this is a. I'm a big cider fan. I know you are as well. So it really hits the spot for that uh, fall esque type drink Super easy to go down i'm already like halfway done here so right so and uh you know maybe uh this will be a drink of choice while we're up in the cabin but before we hit all of those topics that logan teased uh as always we would like to ask our audience our loyal followers to check us out on our socials as always at sideline casters on both facebook and twitter let us know uh who your mid-season hardware picks go to once we talk about that later in the episode. But uh, before we get to that and much, much more, Logan, why don't you take us into uh, the first topic of the evening? Yeah, one of my favorite hockey players, um, Alexander Ovechkin, this past week he scored his 740. <laughs> Is that sarcasm I, I hear? I, I respect the guy. He, he, I mean, he, he plays on Mike's team, so by just default I got to give him shit, and I can't like him too much, and I got to say he's bad. But, uh, you know, he is... Going to be one of the greatest at the end of the day and, and respect what he's going to do uh, this season, the next couple of seasons, see where, where this takes him. But uh, he scored his 742nd career goal, 12th of the season this last week, which moves him into uh, sole possession of fourth place past Brett Hall in the all-time goals list and puts him only 24 goals behind former Penguin Yarmir Yager. At, he has 766 goals. Brian, nice easy question here. Does Ovechkin overtake Yager for third place this season? Yeah, I mean, he, he's on a pretty blistering pace to start the season. Um, I haven't looked up the official uh, goals leaderboard in the last couple of days, but, I mean, he's at the top at least a few days ago. And I think if he keeps up this pace um, that he is through the first, what, 15 games of the season, mm-hmm. um, he's more than likely going to pass Yager this season, I think the the one to answer the question with the question um, is, does he stay healthy all year? That would probably be the one thing um, that would 
alter my answer if he goes out with any type of significant injury, of course, which, you know, easy one, two, if he's out for so many games and can't score goals, obviously that would, that would, uh, impede him from taking over the third spot. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, but, um, I think at this pace that he's, he's shown through 15, if he continues that, um, he's obviously going to get the ice time every night. I, I think he does take it. Um, by the end of the year, I'm not sure he, you know, destroys it this year, but I would say a couple goals over 24 is, is certainly doable for him with the number of games remaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's inevitable he passed him this season. And certainly, you know, the, like you said, he's on the pace this year. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, he's always had a fast start and kind of slows down at the end. Like you said, just injuries uh, as he gets older, just more prone to injuries. He's a guy that really hasn't been out any significant stretch in his career. I think he's only missed a handful of games uh, that weren't suspension related. Um, so, you know, he's an Ironman. He'll be in there for those games. And, you know, I think it's unlikely he keeps up this pace. It's just kind of unreasonable for him to hold on to that all year. He's almost at a goal a game, you know. Uh, right. I think a, a high-end realistic target for him is 50 goals this season. It's a mark that he's, you know, hit or passed eight times in his career. You know, he almost did it last season with a COVID-shortened season when he had 46. So, you know, 50 games over 82 is, is you know, pretty good pace. That's, uh, you know, over half a, half a goal a game. And if you look at his record for the last five years, he scored 205 goals in 358 games, which gives him 0.57 goals per game. Um, so if we take into consideration the 12, he's got already through the first 15 games, and I think they're playing tonight. Um, Mike hasn't texted us, so I don't think he scored. Um, and if you <laughs> use that 0.57 goals per average, it'll take him 67 games to pass Yager. So I think, I think it's definitely doable. Even if he has a small injury, I think it's still doable. Um, so I have him scoring his 51st goal of the season on March 8th versus Calgary, which is coincidentally the team that Yager last played for in the NHL. So kind of ceremonious, I guess, you know, yeah, it brings a full circle on his last team. And, you know, he was he was a kind of a journeyman at the end there. You know, he spent a lot of time with Pittsburgh and then kind of floated around the league. Uh, I think he's in the Capitals at one point to uh, Florida uh, and then finished off his initial career with Calgary. Right. I mean, just to give more praise, I mean, he's bla- he's blazing this season. I mean, tied second in goals with 12, 14 assists. 26 points, which is third in the league through 15 games. I mean, he is just extending his dominance another year. I remember watching this guy on ESPN when I was like 12 years old, right? When he first came into the league and he was just destroying people. So I think we're going to have the same conversation in the years to come, you know, whether it's he's in line to pass, you know, second place. And then, of course, eventually whether or not he's ever going to pass Gretzky. He's 36. Um, and I think we know many players have played well beyond 40 in this league. So it's going to be interesting to track this. Playing. Right, right. Um, so the one, the one shade I'm going to throw on Ovechkin is that I think Ovechkin, unlike guys like Gretzky, um, the team is giving him opportunities to, to catch Gretzky. Uh, like, for example, open goals, open net goals. 
they mm-hmm. feed those to Ovechkin, and no one else really tries, especially when he's on the ice. Right. So I, I, I kind of knock him a little bit for that. Um, I think that's kind of a cheap way to do it. But I yeah. think that he'll be there regardless. But uh, I got to have my, my asterisk ready for Mike. Right. Well, Washington plays tonight at 10.30, so we'll uh, we'll wait for Mike's text to come in if he does yeah. score. So they haven't played um, yet. Right. So uh, that takes us over to the gridiron, and you know we're going to talk about a team I hate, but they have been performing this year, and it's those Dallas Cowboys. And if you listen to Stephen A. or any other Dallas fan, the Cowboys were a lock for the Super Bowl until Week 9, where the Broncos trampled the Cowboys 30-16. to In Week 9, we saw Dak... Return to the lineup after, miss, after missing a start due to a calf injury uh, and struggled to get anything going. The th- uh, first three quarters against Denver, he was just 6 for 19 for 79 yards before finishing with 232 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. But the Cowboys returned to form in Week 10, clipping the wings of the Atlanta Falcons 43-3. Ouch. The Cowboys put together a complete team performance that included Dak going 24 for 31 for 296 yards and two touchdowns to C.D. Lamb, two rushing touchdowns by Zeke, three interceptions by that defense, and a blocked punt for a touchdown. Logan, do you still trust the Cowboys as the top team in the NFC and a potential Super Bowl team. I'm not surprised Dallas lost a game. I never expected them to kind of make a run where they went, you know, undefeated through the postseason. Um, so, and I think another loss is not out of the realm, possibly, if not a couple more. Uh, you know, I, I was kind of surprised it happened to Denver. Denver is one of those teams that's, you know, 500 team that's could show up, could not show up. But, uh, you know, the the fact is. They lost to a the right opponent at the right time, I think. They lost to an AFC team, so it didn't count against them in the NFC. And it came in a week where the two other NFC frontrunners, Green Bay and the Rams, both dropped games. So they didn't lose any ground. Um, so it, it kind of worked out for them, I guess. Uh, I, I guess I equate it to you know, your game versus um, the Jaguars the other night. Uh, you know, they... They lost to the Jags, but in terms of a time to lose and an opponent to lose to, you didn't give up any ground on a, on a you know a front runner. So maybe it's that get right game or that kind of snappy back game, uh, get you focused. So, but I trust the Cowboys about as much as I trusted them before. Uh, their offense is going to be just fine. This is kind of an off week for them, week nine, because they certainly bounced back in week ten. But the two factors I think that kind of keep them from being in that elite conversation to me, I don't think they're a Super Bowl team, um, is the coaching and the defense. You know, entering into this week, the Dallas have the fifth highest yards per play against and the ninth highest opponent red zone scoring percentage. So they're going to give up some points. Uh, so that offense has to play well. But to me, it's it's once again it's Mike McCarthy and the coaching. I think that's the biggest flaw in this team. Looking at Week Nine, there was no reason for Dak or Zeke to be in the game in the fourth quarter. You know, he talked about energy and momentum and fight and resilience and all those other buzzwords they use in the post game conferences. But they scored two meaningless touchdowns in the final minutes that really kind of showed nothing. The fact that Dak was coming off a calf injury just is all the more reason he shouldn't have been in that game. 
uh, Rex Ryan, I think, had it the best when he said, had Dak gotten really hurt in that game, that he would have been fired. That, you know, Mike McCarthy would have been looking for another job. So even with the big win, I think the Cowboys are probably still the, the fifth best team in the NFC behind the Cardinals, the Packers, the Rams, the Bucks. So even though the Rams are, are slipping a little bit, but I, I still think they're they're not in that top tier of NFC teams. Yeah, you know, they're they're definitely exceeding expectations. I'm not sure anybody thought that they were gonna have this win win tally nine weeks in, ten weeks in. Um, you know, big props to their defense. I think that was the main concern, right, coming into the season was whether to, their defense could keep opposing offenses from scoring as many points as we knew that their offense could score, right? We knew they were going to score points. Um, but I agree with you 100%. The thing that holds back Dallas is going to be coaching. And there's just something about them that's still... I have this worry about whether they're going to get into the playoffs and continue to dominate like they have this season or if they're going to fall apart. Their, their schedule, you know, they played really good against the Bucks in the opening week. That was probably their toughest game on their schedule to this point, so, mm-hmm. right? So uh, they lose that game, and they go 6-1 and one since. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to win the NFC. They're going to have a home game. I would p- more than likely guess that that home game is going to be against a really good wildcard yep. team, right? Yep. And... um. It's really going to come down to who they play, the matchup, but more than likely, like you said, if they're playing a Rams team or a Cardinals team that fall to that wild card spot, they could be in trouble. And I do have Green Bay, LA, Arizona, and maybe even Tampa still one peg ahead of them um, in the NFC. So for them, I don't even know if they're the top dog right now. Right, so many people are saying that they're the best team in the NFC. I'd like to see them come out this week against Kansas City and really have a good game against them if we're going to go that far. Right, this is a somewhat of a tr- right. The defense would need to have a big game again. Right, and th- this is going to be a high score. This is going to be an exciting game to watch. This uh, Chiefs Dallas game. It's going to be high scoring in my opinion, because as good as Dallas's defense is, I don't think they're going to stop Patrick Mahomes. I think Pat, Pat Mahomes has turned it back on. This past week, they showed that they didn't have much trouble with the Raiders, um, scoring 41 points. So um, this is really going to be a make-or-break game for Dallas. You know, The rest of their schedule this year is not overly difficult. They play Washington twice. They play the Eagles again and the Giants again. Their hardest game coming in Week six, uh, week 17 home against the Cardinals, right, which could be a postseason preview. Um, But I agree with you. You know, Mike McCarthy, who at one time was very respected, right, when he was the coach of Green Bay, has just been on this decline of questionable decisions, and I just I don't trust him to make the right ones when the game matters in the postseason. Yep, agreed. So... Maybe the the best defense wins this week between Kansas City and, and the Cowboys. We'll right, see. which it, if that's the case, Kansas City is also in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, over the last couple of weeks, the AFC kind of seems like it's up for grabs with no team as really the front runner in the division. 
Over the last two weeks, the Titans have lost their king. The Chiefs have regained some of their mojo. The Bills lost to the Jags but destroyed the Jets. The Ravens pulled out an overtime win but then turned around and lost to the Dolphins. Cincinnati was on a roll, but they got smacked up by the Browns. And then, of course, the Browns, they got bounced by the Patriots this week. These headlines, they make us stop and think, you know, who is the best team in the AFC heading into week, week 11? Yeah, I mean, it's been a real crazy last couple of weeks. I mean, just those games that you named alone, you know, I don't think most people would have picked those outcomes in any of those games. So AFC is really in a spot that's a little bit strange, but I think it does come down to two teams in the AFC currently, and it's the two teams that are sitting number one and number two um, in the AFC, Tennessee and Buffalo, right? So, of course, Tennessee has the head-to-head matchup against the Bills, uh, that victory. Uh, arguably, the Bills were in a position to win that game at the in the last minutes uh, before Josh Allen got stuffed on that fourth down. Um, so, to me, it's between those two. I know Tennessee's had a big setback with Derrick Henry uh, being out until the last couple weeks of the season, if not the postseason, but they look like they're in a spot where they're going to uh, secure a playoff spot here within the next few weeks. So just given both teams, the weapons that they have, um, I'm going to say the best team in the AFC, and it's probably a homer move, is still Buffalo. Uh, mm-hmm. The reasons homer. being... Yeah, I know. But the reasons being that I think 9 out of 10 times... Buffalo beats Tennessee there on that play, right? If he gets that first down, it's more than likely a Bills win. Uh, The Bills' defense has been their shining spot this year, which is kind of a surprise because I think everybody expected the offense to really steal the show for us this year. And it's really been the other way around. It's been a a struggling offense at times, but the defense um, has been nothing but spectacular Still number one in scoring defense in the league, number one in pass defense, um, and then I think ranked in the mid-teens in terms of team defense. So I think at the end of the day, when I'm thinking about who are my best teams, who's who's the team that has the best shot of winning the AFC, I'm going to usually side with the team that has the dominant defense, right? My hope being that the, the Bills offense, and it looks like they did get back on track last week. We'll see if they can do it again against Indy this week, but but I think on both sides of the ball, um, Buffalo probably has just a little bit more firepower than Tennessee and has a better core to make a deep run. So they're sitting number two right now, a game and a half back between Tennessee, but I'm going to say that they're overall the best team in the AFC through week 10. Yeah, you know, even with the loss of Derrick Henry, the Titans have shown their toughness and, you know, they have a two-game lead on the bills in the afc uh and really they've got to be the team that you can trust the most right now in part because they haven't had that big loss um you know that bad loss in a while they they had the yeah that's the weird thing about them right though i mean the two losses i mean the jets loss was the the only bad one right and that was like week two or something like that you know but you know mike frabel's team they held off the saints this week and, and became the second nfl team to win five consecutive games against opponents that qualified for the playoffs just the season before, you know, and furthermore, seven of their eight wins have come across come against 2020 playoff teams. And, and now they have the easiest schedule of any team in the league. So it's, it's hard to believe right. they're not going to be in there. Um, you know, with, with Derrick Henry, 
I think they're the best team in the AFC without him. I think it's a lot closer. And kind of like what you said, nine times out of ten, I think if they're playing the Bills, the team that I'm going to pick going into that game is going to be the Bills. So I'm, I'm actually with you here. I think, I think the Bills are still that best team in the AFC. They've, they've kind of come up short in a couple games they probably shouldn't have. But Josh Allen, you know, he's got the weapons still. They haven't flashed the season like they did or like lately like they have earlier in the season. You know, that can be chalked up some of the offensive line struggles and issues with the run game. But, you know, they I think they still have the highest ceiling and they should improve as they kind of get players back from injury. That like you said, that defense is still way ahead of I think of a lot of teams and they haven't really gotten the credit they deserve. They're like you said, first in points. First in opponent yards per game, first in interceptions. It, when you have those three stats, you're gonna win way more games, regardless of what that offense looks. Like. And that's a good offense. So, uh, I'm with you. Unfortunately, I think they, the Bills are the best team. Um, if I had to pick a team from the AFC right now to to most likely be in the playoffs. I would say the Bills. Um, yeah, maybe that maybe that uh, Jaguars game was just kind of a trap game. They overlooked them coming off the bye week. That they are a, a kind of a young, hungry team. So, uh, I think the Bills will be all right. Yeah, you know, all three losses. Uh, you know, total points lost by is thirteen. So, I mean, it's not like they got blown out any game this season. I just think they have the best chance of uh, really sticking with any team they're playing. Mm-hmm. this year their schedule down the stretch also not very difficult it's, it's only become more difficult because of new england being better than what we expected but i mean indy and new orleans in the next two weeks i would hope we win both of those games and then really it comes down to new england twice and in, in in tampa on sunday the 12th will be interesting um but i think tennessee and buffalo are both going to punch their ticket here within the next few weeks at least clinching playoff berth and uh at that point, it's just going to see who who really is going to come down to who's on a roll, right? Running into uh, going into the postseason, who's uh, riding the wave, and uh, we'll see. But um, let's uh, jump over to the NFC um, with a guy who was actually in the AFC just when the season began. Cam Newton uh, is back on an NFL roster and back in. His home of Carolina, a team that he led to the Super Bowl in 2015. The Panthers, who drafted Newton in 2011, signed him to a one-year deal that's worth up to $10 million. In his first week back on the team, Cam was not the starter, but he came in the first quarter and on his first play, ran it in for six. He then took off his helmet and tells the NFL he is back, and he told him pretty emphatically (laughs) that he was back, drew a flag and everything. But on the second play... Uh, in the game, he fires a touchdown pass to Robbie An- Anderson. He fi- can finish the game going three for four for eight yards and a touchdown with 14 yards on three carries and a touchdown run as the Panthers went on to beat uh, the Murray and Hopkinless Cardinals 34 to 10. So, Logan, what's your reaction to both of Cam's touchdowns and then his return to the Panthers overall? I think we saw in that first touchdown run, we saw all his frustrations. You know, from being cut to not playing for two weeks, then, you know, proclaiming himself that he's better than 32 guys and he's going to not be signed. You know, on that play, he broke like three, four tackles. You know, he wasn't going to be not. He was going to score on that. Uh, on his 
second touchdown pass. It was kind of a simple short rollout throw. Not all that difficult. And let's be honest, you know, he threw the ball four times and carried it three times. I think for his first game, he was like the equivalent of a wildcat package, you know, kind of that trickery, um, bring him in, you know, but I think what he did bring was that heart and passion and energy. He was running around the field everywhere, uh, you know, high five and everybody jumping on guys His post game conference. He's taking selfies, you know, that kind of attitude can be infectious in a locker room, especially if they can start to string some wins together. You know, uh, I think when the news broke that Carolina signed him, you know, we were texting about it. My initial thoughts were that he was only a slight improvement over a healthy uh, Darnold. You know, and if you look at these two guys, they're they're kind of similar. They're both athletic guys. Neither one of them is a great thrower of the football. Uh, you know, the difference is, is Cam was kind of once that MVP caliber player. He's been to a Super Bowl. Can he get up to that level for limited spurts and you know a game that matters sure but i don't think he's gonna uh, sustain a a super productive you know stat line uh there is a recipe for success with cam in there in carolina um right now they're sitting at five and five they're that, they hold that last playoff spot in the nfc and when the panthers saw success earlier this season they saw that with Sam Darnold and him not turning the ball over. If Cam can do that same thing, just tur- not turn the ball over, I feel like this team is a low-end playoff spot team. Uh, you know, a team that with McCar- uh, McCaffrey can run the ball well. They've got decent wide receivers. They have a young defense that I've been very much impressed with this season. You know, so they can they can be that bottom, that seventh seed in there um this team is not built to succeed on the back of a a great quarterback and great quarterback play it's led by that defense by that running game looking at their schedule for the next couple weeks they got washington miami then they got by followed by atlanta all three of those are winnable um like i said earlier if you can get on a, a winning streak his energy can kind of be infectious and maybe pump up that team if they can steal one of the last four against the saints buffalo and the bucks twice you know, that gets them to nine wins in the NFC for all those teams kind of beat up on each other. A nine-win team may, just may, get you in that last spot. So they could be a playoff team. But the question is, is which cam is going to show up? 2020 cam, where he couldn't make a pass for 10 yards and was only a threat on the ground? Or the cam we saw in the preseason this year, where he was much more efficient, minimized those turnovers? Uh, and if that camp can turn up, they may win nine, maybe 10, if they're lucky. Yeah, you know, Cam's certainly hyped to be back in Carolina, and I think that's, you know, the adrenaline wave that they're going to have to ride with him for the next few weeks. And, you know, he's entering this team, coming back to this team, probably at the best time he could. You know, McCaffrey's back. He He's, you know, played now in two games with, without any re-aggravation or injury. So they, they have pieces. Robbie Anderson, um, McCaffrey, Cam. I mean, keep naming them. And I think that he, like you said, it's going to be a very scripted offense. It's going to be a certain game plan for Cam's skill set. Um, but I think overall, this might actually be the 
best situation that Cam could have gotten, right? Um, coming back this year. I know Seattle was in the mix a couple of weeks ago when Russell Wilson went down. You know, he goes out, gets the vaccine, makes the right decisions to come back. I'm not sure there's a better team for him to be on right now. Uh, I'd like, I would like to see him, you know, have some success in Carolina. He's never been my, you know, all-time favorite player in the league, um, but he's certainly fun to watch, and he was fun to watch early in his career. And it's kind of nice to see a guy, you know, come back to where he was drafted and maybe carry them to a wild card playoff berth, right? So. They're certainly not winning that division, but like you said, wild card uh, is certainly on the table for them now. Um, in terms of his performance in the game this past week, I, I agree with you 100%. That run was pretty incredible, and he was he was on a mission to score on that play, and he was not going to be denied. Um, clearly was not at a level with the playbook where he could significantly uh, you know, participate uh, with the team, but I, I like where he's going. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, his his uh, passing accuracy in the coming weeks. And I kind of feel bad for Sam Darnold, um, because the question is going to become if Cam can, you know, win a majority of these games down the back stretch. What do they do with him, right? Mm-hmm. In the next year, you know, is are they done with with Darnold completely as Cam a uh, for now quarterback, or does he win over the fan base that he was with for so many years? And there a call to action to have him be the starter next year if he finds success. So uh, that's kind of what I'm following um, with him, and uh, we'll see what he can do. It's been ten weeks since he hasn't played, so you know, once he gets in there for a full game, it's a little bit different than running a couple a uh, couple plays a game, right? And certainly he's well-rested, so. There you go. Yep. Well, if the theme for Week 9 was upsets, then the theme for Week 10 was blowouts. There were four blowouts on Sunday. As we previously mentioned, the Cowboys grounded the Falcons 43-3. The Bills beat up on the Jets 45-17. The Patriots took down the Browns 45-7. And the Chiefs got a statement win, knocking off the Raiders 41-14. That's a combined score of 174 the 41. Brian, which of these victories do you feel was the most significant? Yeah, I'll, I'll just focus on two briefly. I think the Cowboys and the Bills games were expected, right? So mm-hmm. we're not going to really talk about those, but the Patriots-Browns game and the Chiefs-Raiders definitely had the biggest implications. The Patriots game, for me, is important because I think this was their final step on the staircase of saying listen we're legit this year they have a very good defense mac jones i'm not sure he's going to be the next tom brady but he certainly has shown that he has a high floor right so he's doing what he needs to do to get that team to win and and they're you know they scare me i'm not gonna lie they're six and four they're half game behind buffalo in the afc east uh, I still think the Bills are going to win that divi- division, but, but they're certainly a threat, right? So we have they have to be uh, play the Bills twice, so it, it could be interesting and anything can happen in that division. And if anything, the game's significant because it just signals to the rest of the league that they're not the 2020 Patriots, right? This is a new team. They still got Bill Belichick, and they're going to fight you every game. But my number one game in terms of significance was the Chiefs-Raiders 
Chiefs take back control of that division with the win. The Raiders were riding high for a long time this season, although they've had so many setbacks this year with their coach and rugs and, you know, controversy and um, just story after story. But at the end of the day, they were still ahead of the Chiefs by half game going into that game, and the Chiefs just looked like they had no problem with the Raiders. 41-14, led from start to finish. Patrick Mahomes looks like he's back in his form. Not saying that that's going to be what the Chiefs get for the rest of the year, but if anything, it puts the Chiefs in the league, in the lead of that division through 10 weeks of the season. Or mm-hmm. nine weeks of the season, right? Or te- no, ten weeks. So uh, they've set themselves up to run that division again. And I think, in terms of a team that had the biggest setbacks probably through the first half of the season from what they were last year, they needed that win against their divisional rival uh, in Vegas to really say, "Listen, this is still our division, and it's going to be the road's going to come through KC if you want it." Yeah, I think it was New England, and I'll get back to the Patriots in a second, but I think your Bills, they had a big win. The Cowboys, they had a big win, but both of those were kind of expected. Uh, you know, the bounce back, I think everyone saw it for those two teams. And those spreads for those games were 13-9, and nine, so they were expected to win big. But, you know, my initial reaction was Kansas City because it's that get-right game for them, that game that I've been waiting for. For a couple of weeks now from them it was on the road in the division and they ended up in first place first place but i'm gonna backpedal on kc for one particular reason it's because that game was close midway through the third it was 17 to 14 midway through the third quarter and they got it at the 24 14 if deshaun jackson doesn't fumble on that long pass play maybe they convert and it's 24 21 so now, to me, it was, it's just a, a late-game blowout. New England, they're a team that is building a significant body of work lately. Mac, lately. Mac Jones, by far the best rookie quarterback in, in the draft class. I don't think he's the rookie of the year, but we'll get into that later. Uh, you know, Jones was efficient. He was 19 for 23, three touchdowns, no picks. I know that game was in Gillette, but the week before, they played Cleveland, who had looked like they magically corrected the the ship and took down Cincinnati, who's been you know really a hot team. New England has now won five of the last six, four in a row, and during that stretch, the average score that they're beating teams by is thirty-eight to thirteen. So that is certainly uh, pretty impressive from them. And like you said, they are getting scary at the right time. And uh, I'm hoping your bills can kind of cool them off a little bit. So we will see. Um, I'm I'm scared to play them, but um, <laughs> we're we're through week ten, so we're a week behind. But I think it's time, Logan, for us to revisit our picks um, for MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, and Rookie of the Year to see if we're staying true to those picks or if we need to make some slight adjustments uh, to those names. So, Logan, I'll just go through for you. And for MVP, before the season began, you said that Patrick Mahomes was your guy. You sticking with Mahomes or are you switching it? 
Nope, I'm off that bandwagon. Uh, before this week, I thought it could be Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Lamar. Those guys all kind of were in the mix. You know, even you know, Rogers and and uh, and Brady too, to a certain extent. But now I am 100% certain that by the end of the season, it will be Aaron Rodgers. I know Murray didn't play, and the injury to Colt McCoy kind of made it visible that he is important to that team. But seeing Love in there, I now think that Rodgers is clearly the best player in the league, and certainly in the NFC. So I think that uh, that he actually gets signed back to Green Bay, uh, and that they're going to kind of bend over backwards and make sure that happens. All right, so then why don't I just do my MVP since yeah, yeah, go ahead and do yours. So my MVP preseason pick was my homer move of Josh Allen. I still think Josh Allen's in the mix. I still think he has a chance for MVP. So I'm not going to completely move off of him, but I'm jumping on the Darren Rodgers bandwagon as well. He is so pivotal to that team, and you can just see it's not even necessarily statistics, right? But the way that he plays under center, the way that he's able to take advantage of personnel changes, substitutions, getting the ball out in, in seconds, milliseconds, right, after the ball is snapped, he is playing probably the best football that he has over these past two years that he, that he has his entire career. So mm-hmm. Green Bay is the team to beat in the NFC. Um, I had them number one in my personal power rankings this after this Week 10. Um, so I, I, I agree with you. I think Aaron Rodgers at the end of the day, for the first time in a while, will get back to back MVP honors if they continue the pace, especially this, this coming week, he's without Aaron Jones. So let's see how they do, um, in green Bay. But I think, I think he's, uh, setting himself up for back to back. So let's move on then to offensive player of the year. Um, I'm just looking here. At our statistics, I'm not. I'm not sure. Did we pick an offensive player of the year? We might um, not have. We might not have because usually that kind of encompasses um, MVP, right? It's usually right. an offensive player. So, with that being said, we get a clean slate. If you had to pick an offensive player of the year outside of your MVP, who are you picking? Although I don't think he's going to hold on this title just due to the injury, but if the season ended today, it's got to be Derrick Henry. He'd be my offensive player of the year. This year, he's led the league in rushing. You know, he was nearly 300 yards above uh, the second place. You know, guy he, uh, Jonathan Taylor. He had three games with three touchdowns. You know, he led that very strong Titans team. Uh, He got wins both over the Chiefs and the Bills. You know, two of the best AFC teams. If he was to stay healthy. He may be, I don't know if he'd be MVP, but he, he's definitely offensive player of the year. All right, so I have Derrick Henry on my fantasy team, so you know you don't have to explain to me <laughs> what he's been doing. But I think because of the injury, unfortunately, he's out of the discussions for um, MVP, offensive player of the year, whatever awards you want to get him, give him. He's, he's unfortunately probably not going to, get any of those honors right so for me the offensive player of the year then has to go to mr cooper cup 
of the LA Rams. He uh, my fantasy player. One of your fantasy players. He is on his own blistering pace. He has had not as high weeks the past two weeks with the Rams just falling apart. Not sure what's going on with them last two weeks, but he has um he's leading the league in yards. He was setting records for the most receiving yards through nine weeks, ten weeks. Um, if he can get back on track of Matt Stafford, which I'm sure they will, right? I'm sure the Rams are just going through what every other team goes through. Everyone's overreacting. Oh my God, they lost two games in a row, but they're still the Rams. They still have the star power. They still have Sean McVay, Matt Stafford. Um, I guess OBJ, if you want to throw him in there, right? Um, so, but I'm going to go with Cooper Cup, uh, offensive player of the year thus far. Yeah. You know, even with the, the loss they had and only putting up 10 points, he still had 122 yards. Right. Right. So, which is a, almost a down game for him this year, which is why it's so crazy. Um, so, moving on to the other side of the ball, um, preseason pick, you picked his teammate, Aaron Donald. Very safe pick. Probably still a valid pick. Are you going to stay with Aaron Donald or are you switching off? No, I'm up to Miles Garrett now uh, with the Browns. Sorry, Trayvon Diggs. Seven picks is phenomenal, but Garrett... Is uh he's got twelve sacks and counting. He's a game changer on like every down. He, you know, I say he reminds me of uh, of Chase Young, but you know he was that guy that Chase Young was last year. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Chase Young because Chase Young was my preseason pick. Um, unfortunate season was not playing up to expectations for sure. That entire Washington defense not playing up to expectations, I would say. And then, of course, the the terrible news for him this this past week with the ACL injury. He'll be out for the rest of the season. So I, I'm also switching to Miles Garrett. Twelve sacks, dominant. If the Browns could only get him to play offense, maybe <laughs> they'd have a couple more wins. So uh, I'm I'm going with you on Miles Garrett. So that brings us to Rookie of the Year. I think we're both changing. Logan, you went Zach Wilson. Yeah, I don't know what I was drinking. The Kool-Aid, apparently, but I I assume that you have a new name. I do. It's Jamar Chase, and I think he's probably going to be yours, too, if I had to guess. He's so far just been ridiculous. He's 835 receiving yards over the first nine games. He puts him on a pace for like 1,800 yards this season, something that... He probably won't accomplish, but you know he's such a speed receiver. He's got seven touchdowns. He, you know, it's on pace to finish with fifteen. All of these records, uh, numbers are record setting. Surely he'll slow down a little bit, but I think he's almost done enough already to lock up offensive or rookie of the year. Yeah, for sure, Jamar Chase. Crazy numbers for a rookie receiver. I hope he continues on that pace for obvious reasons. Another one of my fantasy players. But I do want to just give out a honorable mention to Micah Parsons, linebacker for Dallas. Mm-hmm. He also has been having a phenomenally phenomenal year. He's very athletic. He's helping that defense be a lot better than we thought they were going to be. I think if there's a one-two, it's Jamar Chase, Micah Parsons, and it could go either way for me. Um, so before we go into, Wait, I'll, I'll throw out this. Yeah, yeah. Super Bowl predictions. Okay. Did we do those preseason? Uh, I'm looking through the list here. It does not appear that we, uh, we did pick worst regular season record, which yeah. we're both currently losing because Houston is who we both picked. And it looks like Detroit's going to win that honor. We also picked Dak Prescott as comeback player of the year, which I think we would both agree right, is still, is still, 
valid, but we did not make a Super Bowl matchup. So you brought it up. I'll give you the honors of going first. Who would you uh, have in the Super Bowl if the season uh, were ending today? I know I said the Bills if I had to pick earlier, but I have concerns about them in the playoffs and just showing up due to the pressure. And, uh, you know, NFC, Packers all day. So I've got Packers and Ravens. I'm going to take the Packers over the Ravens. 38-35 MVP is Aaron Rodgers. All right, well, you pick a team that the Bills beat in the postseason one year ago. So I will take the Bills mm-hmm. in the AFC. They're playing Green Bay. Personal rule, I never pick my team to win the Super Bowl because then I don't think it's going to happen, so Green Bay beats them in the Super Bowl. 31-24. All right. Well, that'll bring us into our picks. We've got two weeks to cover since we missed last week, so I'll kind of zoom through these. Uh, week nine, we, we both did pretty good. Um, I edged you out two to one, uh, picking Indy over the Jets at uh, ten and a half, and the Giants over the Raiders, who won it outright. While you got the Bears covering against the Steelers, so I picked the up last one second. Game. Oh, thank God! <laughs> right. So I picked up one game on you, which brings me to within two after nine weeks. Uh, in week ten, we did not do so hot, Brian. We. Uh, you know, you went four and ten. I went five and nine, which means I'm picking up one game, which means I'm only one game back. Yeah, we did not do well last week. So. It was a crazy week. It was, and you know, if we had to do it again. I'd probably pick a lot of those teams with the same point spreads. Um, but going into week eleven here, we uh, we actually differ on five games. Uh, first of which being Thursday night Patriots at Falcons. Patriots are favored by six and a half. I am picking New England to cover that, and you are picking Atlanta. Yeah, crazy pick for me. I, you know, the spread six and a half. It was uh, seven would have made my life easier, or seven and a half. But I, Atlanta gets destroyed by Dallas. I don't think Atlanta's a terrible team. I think they're certainly better than three points, I agree with you. right? So my hope is they get embarrassed against Dallas, forty-three to three. That's at home. I'd like to see some 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 bounce back from Atlanta, from that offense that we know can score points, Cordell Patterson, Kyrie Pitts, Matty Ice, they still got weapons on that offense. So I'd like to see them at least keep pace with New England. I still think New England wins this game on the road, but I'm hoping for a last-minute Nick Folk field goal victory as opposed to some 38-13 to spread that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, and that's the reason I'm, I'm picking them at 6.5. If it was, like you said, 7.5, I may be able to switch my mind and take Atlanta at home, but uh, at six and a half, I'm going to stick with New England. Uh, We're both taking Miami. We're both taking the uh, Titans over the Texans. Shocker. Uh, Next, we got Detroit Lions at the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland is favored by 10. You've got Cleveland. I've got Detroit. I'm going back to the Lions one last time. I'm dipping my foot back in that water, testing it out. It's 10 points. Cleveland's not been great. You know, I think Baker left last week. 10's a lot. I know they're at home. I know it's the Lions, but the Lions have had some close games. Yeah, 10 is a lot. Um, I just, I can't, I can't bet on Detroit. I, you're play, I think you're playing with fire. I, there's a chance they keep it close, but my hope would be Baker's not, you know, really going to be 100%. I think the Browns need to go back to what they're good to, good at, right? 
Give it to Chubb. If he plays, he's still on COVID, but he should be available. Um, Johnson's going to be available. Um, you know, ground and pound the ball. You're at home. This is a very, very bad Detroit team. Um, and if they do that, if they stick to their laurels, I think that they can have a couple touchdown victory at home, which they also need a, ba- a bounce back win. They're only a game and a half back in that division, so it's not over for them either. So I'd like to see them oh, come over. out. Uh, maybe. It's maybe over. That division's turning out to be a lot tougher it is. than we thought. And Baltimore's had their own problems. So, I mean, if Cleveland can right the ship over the second... They're in last place, right? Mm-hmm. But last game and a half place. back. Um, so, it's not 100% over, but the door's closing. So, they need to have a performance here against Detroit to build some confidence, right, going into the last seven weeks of the season. Next up, we have the Washington football team at the Carolina Panthers. Carolina is favored by three and a half. I'm taking the home team, Carolina Panthers. You are taking the the uh, Washington football team. Is that because they beat Tampa last week? I mean, they definitely played better last week against Tampa. But I, still, I think Carolina wins this game, but I think by a field goal. I mean, you could be right. Um, I, I think it's... Uh, three and a half is dangerous. I don't like three and a half. I don't like three and a half either, um, but I am taking Carolina. McCaffrey's back. I think that uh, you know if Jamar Chase was in there, even though he's not been fantastic this year, maybe that's enough to change my mind. But uh, we'll see what happens. It's one of those games that could go either way very easily. So um, next up, we have the Saints at the Eagles. E- Eagles are for some odd reason favored by one and a half over New Orleans. I know that they've got injuries, but the Eagles? I don't know. I don't know. At one and a half, I'm taking New Orleans. You're taking Philly. Yeah, I mean, they've been on, They've been playing better the last few weeks. To me, the problem with the Saints is, I don't know what you're going to get at quarterback, you know? Is it Simeon? Is it uh, Hill? Who's star- you know? I'm sure their starter is Simeon. It needs to be Hill. It needs to be, but is it going to be? Right. We'll see. You know, if it's not, I think that's an easy Philly win. Because the thing is, you're not going to get consistency. I know Simeon came in for them a few weeks ago when Winston went down and led them to victory, but you know the Saints are not on my up and up, and I think Philly has a chance here to steal one from New Orleans. I mean, it's five and four versus four and six, right? So it's not like it's a, uh, you know, David versus Goliath situation. I'm trying to see here if they've named a starter for New Orleans. It doesn't look like they have yet, but um, it's going to be close, I think, this game. So it could go either way. Yeah, ideally I would like to wait until they announce the the quarterback, but, you know, we're we're Wednesday out here, so, you know, got to make a call, so. Uh, I don't know. I, I trust in Sean Payton. So uh, we'll go to the um, couple other games that are, are big there. Cowboys at the Chiefs. We're both taking Dallas. Um, and Which KC by two and a half, surprising. It is surprising. I'm, I think that that's a home field advantage they're giving them there. But, I mean, two and a half. I, I would have put it at one and just let it be a coin flip. 
Right. I mean, you're saying that Dallas is only good enough to get them a half a point on the home field, right? I mean, traditionally three points for the home field. So, I mean, that, I don't know. With that defense of Kansas City, I don't know if they're going to be, that they should be favored against a potent offense like Dallas. I would almost go Dallas one, but. Yeah, I wouldn't be. I, if I was right in the line, I probably would have had the Cowboys at one. Uh, but I, I do think it's it's kind of a coin flip. It's the Chiefs. You got to respect the Chiefs and what they've done over the last couple of years. This early season aside, you got to respect them. They've earned that. Um, Packers versus Vikings. Green Bay is only at two and a half. Like I, I yeah, know Jones I is out, but uh, whatever. The, the the Vegas they they're they're down on Green Bay, so. And we'll go to the last game that we have around, which is Steelers at Chargers. Chargers are only favored by four and a half, which I think is a product due to their kind of slide the last couple of weeks. I'm picking the Chargers to rebound against the Steelers. Uh, you're taking Pittsburgh. I think Big Ben is out for this game. Uh, so it's game time decision. Um, he will, I will agree, he is more than likely not going to play. The thing with Pittsburgh is they don't, they don't lose by a lot, right, when they lose. I mean, outside their losses, now I go through their losses, and they're all by, you know, 10, 14 points. But, you know, typically they're within, I feel like they're always within like a touchdown, right? So four and a half, a little bit less than a touchdown. It's in Pittsburgh. If Big Ben plays, I feel better about my pick. If he doesn't, I'm hoping they kind of just ride the Najee Harris train and keep it close with that defense. You're being snake bitten by your fantasy team, huh? I mean, my fantasy team's nine and one. So how snake bin can I be? Listen, I'm <laughs> plotting records around here. So hey, anyway, that'll take us to our our saucy speculation. You want to go first? You want me to go first? Yeah, why don't you take it? Take it. All right, I'm gonna stick. I I didn't change mine. I this is my one from last week when we were doing show prep. Um, I'm saying that Kansas City is going to win the AFC West, which now looks better. But I'm also going to say that they make it to the AFC Championship game. Um, you know, last week, every team in the AFC West was at five wins. So they won this week. That gets them to six. They now hold the AFC West. You know, four of their last seven games are against division rivals. You know, they, they control their own destiny. They're coming into this this stretch with some momentum right now i know they beat the the rogerless you know green bay and then they won last week but i think they close out the season the last six games so uh, i think there's still one game in there that they could lose for the last six games i think they went out uh and the reason for that is andy reed has a post by win percentage bump uh in the time that he's been a head coach andy reed is 17 and 2 and coming off a bye and then when he goes into December, he has the best record in the NFL at 66 and 28. Uh, so the Chiefs get this perfect storm where they're coming off the bye week uh, in week 12, which starts with the beginning of December. And it's this perfect storm where Andy Reid goes into like Super Saiyan coach mode. And he's going to get this combination of the playoff bump mixed with his December record and the Chiefs and the Packer or the Chiefs and the Mahomes are just going to sail through. They're going to figure out how to deal with that cover two defense. This kind of bamboozled them. The defense will play better. They win the AFC. They get a bye week, and they win a game, and they go into the AFC championship game. 
don't think they win it, but they're there. That is saucy. We'll see. You know, my issue with Kansas City, of course, I've mentioned it only like 50 times during this episode is their defense. So True. Um, depending on who they play in the first couple rounds of the playoffs, because um, they certainly don't seem like they're going to have the number one seed. So it does play three yeah. playoff games before they get to the Bowl, if which I don't think either one of us are picking them to do that. But um, we'll see who they have to play. Um, I think they could beat the Ravens in the super, in the playoffs, but there's a couple teams like the Bills, Titans. I think they'd have some trouble with it. They have to make that matchup week one, or week one or week two of the playoffs. So I mean, realistically, we'll those, those are the only two teams that I yeah worry about if they can continue this form is the Bills and the Titans. I think those are the only two teams in the AFC that really can derail that train and the momentum yeah. that they're going to build. Right, I agree. Um, so I'll go to my saucy speculation, and it's uh, it's going to deal with uh, Odell Beckham. And I don't know if you mm. saw the the story that's kind of come out this week, which is um, you know he's happy that he's on the Rams, but apparently there was a lot of confusion as to where he was going to end up. There was a lot of stories flying around from Beckham's camp that he wanted to be claimed by the Seahawks, that mm-hmm. he wanted to sign with the Saints, and then he wanted to sign with the Chiefs. Um, so my saucy speculation is he causes more problems than he solves in LA for the Rams and he's either benched or cut by the end of the season. Ooh. Mm. I mean, I think it's inevitable that he can cause drama and friction, even if he doesn't mean to. Right, but uh, I I kind of I'm I'm bored with the benching. I don't know if they'll cut him. They yeah, him too much money for... investment. But the, you know the reports are saying that one of the reasons why he picked L.A. is because he could make more money off the field in L.A. Mm-hmm. than the other spots. That's not really what I want to hear from my new f- signing <laughs> player. Um, and you know he had a small impact in the game. Not saying he doesn't have the talent. He's actually well liked around the league, is from what I hear. From uh, from players, players right? Um, players, but you know that that doesn't mean that he doesn't cause problems as well. So, yeah. Well, that'll take us to this day in sports. And on this day in 1997, hockey legend Mario Lemieux was enshrined into the NHL Hall of Fame. At 18, he scored a record 282 points with 133 goals in the Quebec Minor Junior Major Junior Hockey League. He solidified his legendary status, going 11 points in his final game. He was the first overall selection in the 1984 NHL draft. And in his first game, on his first shift, and on his first shot, he notched his first NHL goal. And in the late 80s and half of the 90s, which is kind of when I got into hockey, he was by far... Better than Wayne Gretzky. He had surpassed him as the most prolific scorer in the world. Lemieux ranked first all-time in points per game at 1.97 points per game through the 2000-2 season. His goal-scoring percentage was a 8.05, which was the best out of any player in his first 150 games. But his career was plagued with health injuries, including severe spinal disc herniations, uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma, chronic tendonitis of the hip flexor muscle, chronic back pain, so severe that other people had to tie his skates. Uh, he would go into the locker room at 
half mid at the intermissions and get uh, treatments. Um, you know, he saved a a floundering Penguins team and took them to back to back Stanley Cups. He won MVP honors both those years. He won three MVP regular season awards. He was the NHL leading scorer six times in his career. If his career hadn't been derailed by health issues, I believe that he would have surpassed Gretzky, and it's kind of scary to think what his numbers could have been. You know, maybe our first topic, we're talking about Ovechkin chasing Lemieux's all-time goal record instead of Gretzky. But uh, maybe that's the homer in me as a Pittsburgh fan. Maybe, but certainly one of the greats of all time, no, no doubt about that. There's some really, really good documentaries, and maybe I'll try to link them on our, our Facebook page, um, of his career and the stuff that he went through and the amount of pain that he played through. Uh, you know, and I can't think of a player that was stricken by an injury of that kind, the Hodgkin's lymphoma particularly, um, at his prime when he was the best in the sport. You know, uh, I've seen there's other guys who have been stricken down by by injuries and, and cancer and, and all that, um, but I'm not sure they were ever in their prime and had to deal with that in their prime. Agreed. No. So it's crazy. Well, thank you guys for uh, for tuning in. We'll be back. We won't be back next week. Actually, uh, we're off for Thanksgiving. We'll be back the following week. But don't forget to check us out on our socials at Semicast, which is Facebook and Twitter. Uh, let's talk about week 11 on, on there and see what happens. Yep. Thank you guys for uh, coming in another episode and uh, two weeks off until then. We'll see you guys for week. What, what will that be? 12. Uh, yep. Week 12. Week 12. And uh, until then hit up the socials. Let us know who your picks are. Remember mid season awards on the Facebook page. We'll uh, hit some comments down there for that. So uh, thank you guys as always.